0: this little light
1: of mine i'm gonna let it shine hello and welcome to flourish with me tiffany boyd I'm this is a podcast where we explore shine. what it means to live with intention this i'm a mom to three beautiful boys a wife I'm a friend an entrepreneur shine. and so many let other things When my dad passed, I made a commitment to myself to live with intention. For years afterwards, I struggled with discovering what that meant. I felt uncomfortable giving myself permission, or even figuring out how to honor that. What I do know and believe is that where attention goes, energy flows. This show will explore what it means to live with intention, seek to inspire you, and bring practical tools through stories and interviews that you can use to change your own life. Thank you for joining me and this wonderful community of women as we raise our vibration, honor ourselves, and live intentionally. podcast. I am here today with Caitlin Stevens. She's a clinical counselor and nutritionist, and I can't wait for us to dive into the topics that she's here to share today because I think they're very important topics. And I'm just going to go straight over to you, Caitlin, tell us a little bit about yourself, your story, and how it is that you became a clinical counselor and nutritionist, because those aren't things that typically go together. So let us know why, why did you choose to do that? Yeah,
0: so like you said, I'm a registered clinical counselor and nutritionist and it was interesting because I originally was like I'm going to be a nutritionist and that's my end goal and that's what I want to do um and then I just realized more and more obviously I've had experience with like eating disorders and that being an impact on my life and just realized that it kind of just morphed into me obsessing about eating healthy. And I just realized more and more, I'm like, I don't want to be in a profession that restricts people, that creates guilt and shame, right? So then I realized, okay, what's like the psychology behind all this? And and people know, right, that, okay, eat more fruits and vegetables, move your body. But there is this block where people don't do what they're supposed to do or, or don't listen to what their body's really needing. So that's kind of how I moved more into kind of the therapist role. Um, yeah. And then just going through that experience myself, right. I struggled from very young age with feeling really sensitive and overthinking everything and just really struggled a lot with a lot of relationships in my life. And then that turned into me kind of self-sabotaging with food and body. So I went on this really wild journey with restriction, dieting, over exercising you name it. And then came to a place where I've just kind of had enough. And I came across this incredible therapist who completely changed my life, Michelle Moran. And I was like, Oh my gosh, whatever you're doing, I want to do that for people. So that's kind of how I got to become a registered clinical counselor. And I still incorporate obviously nutrition stuff into my work, but it's not what you can't do, right? We're all about adding in and
1: listening more to what your body needs. I love that. I also love one of the things you shared with me when we were prepping for this was that um, in working with Michelle Moran, one of the things that she taught you or showed you is this notion of unconditional love. And I think that's a really interesting concept because it's something that ultimately needs to come from within. How do you leverage and work with that? And what does that feel like? It's, it's really
0: interesting because we've all kind of experienced it from, you know, our younger years where maybe someone says something or something doesn't sit well when we start expressing how we feel. So then we take on this guilt and shame or this internal battle with ourselves, right? So it's really about exploring, okay, where does that tone or that inner critic truly come from? And how can we strengthen, I like to call it your soul self. So like that, that really nurturing, loving, we call it almost like a wise parent um, kind of swoops in and starts really creating, it's going to feel uncomfortable because it's like a new way of operating. So we we would say like a neural pathway on how to, you know, create more loving dialogue, this idea of being seen and heard for ourselves, how can we create that? And it takes time. And it's kind of, not natural for a lot of us. But once we start recognizing, wait a second, when I start getting back on the same team as my mind and body, it actually allows me to move differently through difficult experiences or relationships or anything that kind of comes our way where maybe the go-to would to really be hard on ourselves.
1: Yeah. I I feel like this notion of guilt and shame that we're starting to have words and the ability to recognize and then connect with our own experience is, I would say, a pandemic in and of itself. And I think that just speaking to at least my experience and my observation of at least the generation that I'm a part of growing up is that there does seem to be, um, if not clinical, sort of a disordered Um, perception around body body image or even just, you know, sense of self so connected to some of the superficial things. And we're seeing it now translate into Instagram filters and we see it on social media. And I'm just curious what your perspective is in terms of how that is impacting the world around us first. And I guess this is a two-part question. And the second thing is that we also have this, um, this evolution of more people being interested in knowing better and doing better, particularly as parents are becoming more conscious in our parenting Yeah. and how do we understand that and do things differently and better for this next generation?
0: Yeah. It's so interesting with, I don't know if you've seen lately, so many of those filters that people are doing like before and after. And it's pretty terrifying because it's, especially for like our younger generation, right. That if that's what they're constantly seeing, it's not real. Right. So our, yeah, like, especially in our generation, it was a lot of, like, I think I mentioned how like Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears and all those people that were like influencing our media at that time. And And now just really look at looking at, okay, like the impact of how we feel about our our bodies and, and what that does for our life, right? So, so my whole thing is really focusing on what makes up a beautiful person, right? So, let's move away from the external. Let's talk about the internal. And we can all relate to that. You might see someone that you're like, wow, that person's stunning. And then they start talking and they're so mean, they're rude, they're angry. And it's like, whoa, like that, that doesn't feel good to me. Right. So I think that should be more of our compass versus this idea of the physical
1: beauty or the conditioning around that. Right. Yeah, no, it's so true. And I feel that we are often missing out on the experience of life, being so concerned about how we look in the moment. And I know I've observed this. I think anybody that's gone to the gym, and I've said this in the past, even with the, I've used it as actually as a metaphor or analogy with imposter syndrome, the idea that people are so consumed with themselves that they're not even going to notice you. So you can like go people are afraid to go to the gym. I know <laughs> there's nothing to be worried about. People are staring at themselves because they're so worried about how you, they think you think of them. Uh, I'm getting, I'm making that a little bit more confusing, but, uh, I do think that it it's affecting the consciousness of our culture and our ability to just be present and in yes. the moment. And I think that There are some massive implications as a result around connection and true life experience. Um, And I don't know Mm -hmm. if you see that in the people that you work with. And I'm curious, like, how, if you're working with someone that's consumed in that, whether it's social media or how they look, Mm -hmm. or they're limiting themselves because they feel uncomfortable with how they uh, look or feel in their body, what are some of the practical things you do with somebody to help them move through that?
0: Yeah. And also don't get me wrong. Like, I think too, like, obviously it's okay to want to like take care of your body and, and, you know, like myself, right. I like doing my hair, putting makeup on, like that's totally natural for me, but it's more of, it's just not my sole focus. Right. So when I'm working with clients around that, it's the the greatest question too. It's like, what are you making that mean? Right. Once you look this way or once you lose this weight, or, you know, if you kind of, work on your appearance to this level, what are you making that mean? Are you making that mean that I will be happy? Are you making that mean that I will be loved? Mm -hmm. Right. So that's like a huge question I ask when I'm working with my clients. And then also it's like, why are you depriving yourself of so many things because you're not there yet? Right. And, and that's an interesting one too, because I don't know if you can relate, but I remember grade eight, got stretch marks and it was the end of the world, right? And I did not feel comfortable in a bathing suit suit probably until like my early 20s, mid-20s, right? But that was a lot of me obsessing and not feeling comfortable and avoiding certain situations because of something on my body. Right. So those are really great things to notice. And then again, what I really like looking looking at with my clients is like what are your core values, right? That, that is a huge thing is once we get clear on our core values, that can be our North star. That's kind of our leader versus this idea of just solely focusing on physical appearance.
1: Mm-hmm. How do we translate that as, as parents
0: mm-hmm.
1: or a new generation? What are the things that we do differently? Because I even wonder, as you were talking, I was thinking about what made you think a stretch mark was bad where did you get that perception that it was anything less than beautiful? And how do we make Mm -hmm. sure that whether it's a stretch mark or, you know, um, chubby cheeks or, you know, uh, whatever the case may be, that it's not bad? Like, why, why do we do that? And how do we change that with our kids? Well, yeah, our kids,
0: it's such a great question. And this idea of being seen and heard, right, is such a key piece when it comes to ourselves, the young people in our life, right? Because for me, right, I didn't have a space where I felt like I could actually go to someone and be like, hey, like, obviously, like I told like my mom, but like, I didn't have a space to really process Mm -hmm. what I made the stretch marks mean or, or where that even came from of why I made that something wrong with me. Right. There was no kind of dialogue to go deeper on that, obviously at a great eight level, but I felt like I kind of was just left with it to deal with it and try to just accept it, but then also feel really hidden because like, I didn't want anyone to see that. Right. So I think with our children or the younger generation, it's really about allowing them the space to come and express how they're feeling. And for us, like validating that experience for them And then also coming together and being like, okay, like, where are we at with this? And and what can we do to kind of move through this differently, right? Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's a key piece is that we forget the validation piece a lot of the time. And, and that's a really important part when we're trying to be rational, especially, especially with like the younger generation and and those little, little people, right? So validating their experience and then also exploring it with them. Like, okay, like, what, what about stretch marks? Are you making that mean? Or where did you see that this is something bad or, Hey, can I show you like all these people that
1: have stretch marks and are wearing bathing suits? Right. Mm -hmm. That curious lens. Yeah. I love that. And I do think that validation piece is really important. And it's something that I've noticed shift, um, over the last little bit And as a parent, it's one of the things that I remind myself often is that, uh, you know, you need to validate someone's feelings before you start to move through them. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it's kind of just like a futile effort, and I recognize that I need that myself, and didn't even recognize it until I was mm. learning to do it as a parent for my kids. So I think that that is such a a beautiful and valid point. One of the things, and I'm not sure if I misheard this, but I think you mentioned at the beginning that you um, are an empath. Do you say that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Sensitive empath. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm seeing that more and more that people are recognizing that they are empathic, but they might not have the language. They might not know mm-hmm. what it means. And, you know, what comes up for me when I think about that is, you know, of course, is for anyone that doesn't, I'm sure most of the listeners do know, but an empath can feel the feelings and the emotions of the people around them. And so what comes up for me is this notion of boundaries and being able to understand what is and isn't yours. And so I can understand that for you in particular, as a young child that was very empathic, that that would have been a bit of a journey to get to where you are, where now you have sort of come through the other side, you're thriving and you're supporting people to figure this out. What did that journey look like? And how did you start to learn to create those walls or filter the information around what is and isn't yours?
0: Yeah, it's so interesting, because again, that idea of being seen and heard or validated in my experience didn't happen, right? It was more like, you think too much, or you worry too much, you're too sensitive, you need to not think too much or just not care. And it just was never like, hey, like, I see that you're really sensitive, and you feel people's feelings, like, let's talk about that, right? So that was a key piece. And like, okay, that that didn't happen. And I was kind of told for a long time, like, that it was a bad thing right that why am i not like more you know free and why can't i just like let things go or why do i take on people's feelings so much right so it was really kind of turned around on me and then obviously working with my therapist and really saying that hey like this is actually like a really beautiful thing that you can sit with people and their feelings and actually inquire and and obviously, be curious about what's going on for them, right? And not just put up a wall and 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 not deal with anyone's feelings, including yourself, right? Mm. So, so that was a huge piece, allowing that to be kind of looked at in a different lens. And then with the process of kind of setting emotional boundaries, right? A big question that I like to ask myself, what I encourage my clients to ask, is this a them problem or is this a me problem? Right. So noticing if they are really feeling, you know, some sadness and we start making it about us, it's like, okay, wait a second. Like, what are the actual facts of this situation? Mm -hmm. Right. And I think a key piece is that we can still like have empathy for those around us that are struggling with pain or sadness and we don't have to fix it for them. Right. But we can hold a very beautiful, loving space for them, but we don't have to take it on as how do I fix this for them? Because that's a lot to carry. And that can, again, even change the dynamic of, of, Hey, I just want you to hold this space and not be the fixer. Or, you know, obviously we can suggest and provide insight, but again, it's not something that we need
1: to take on as our own. Absolutely. Yeah. I, this is something that, um, I agree with you. I think that more people are empathic than they realize. And some of the things that you see people doing to sort of numb that sensitivity is sometimes eating to ground or addiction or those sorts of things that allow you to create separation from what just becomes so overwhelming. And I think it triggers in some people this, like the, the fight or flight or freeze within their nervous system. And I know this is something I am actually so fascinated in this because I think um, I'll probably do a whole podcast at some point about it, but I know that you work with nervous system regulation as well. And I think sometimes it's really helpful for people to understand what is happening on a scientific level within their body, because once you can start to identify and name it, then you can start to use it almost as biofeedback to make changes. Um, And sometimes it's a way in for people that's more accessible than perhaps the emotions to start. So can you talk a little bit about nervous system regulation and what that looks like and and what it might mean uh, if you're an empath and you're triggered in one of those ways?
0: Yeah. So nervous system is such a fascinating thing, right? And, And that's something that we sometimes forget about and we don't understand like why am i having these intense reactions in my body or you know the prime example is like when you see someone getting a parking ticket and they're just like exploding you're like well it's not the parking ticket right it's everything leading up to that parking ticket so when we think about our nervous system there's the hyperarousal state and the hypoarousal state and in between is the space called the window of tolerance right so Window of tolerance, we want to widen that because that allows us to deal with things responsibly. Uh, we're not reactive. We feel it's almost like that emotional resiliency that we feel like, okay, like I can react or respond to the situation. I'm choosing to respond and how do I best do that? It's not like this huge body feeling taking over where you're ready to like, you know, fight, flight or freeze, right? Mm-hmm. So So that's the window of tolerance. The window of tolerance can shrink, right? Because of past trauma, difficult experiences, also just the buildup of things, right? It's just gonna get it smaller and smaller and smaller. So what happens is it's really easy then to get into those hyper or hypoarousal states. So hyperarousal is the fight or flight. Right. So that's what I like to think about is like a volcano exploding, right? That's what we think about hyperarousal. Hypoarousal is really the, the low, right? So that's like really not having much emotion, kind of feeling really stuck, um, almost like a numbness, right? So so this is like a really interesting thing that we don't think about. And another kind of visual that I find helpful for my clients is imagine a beaker, right? And every little thing that happens, little stressors throughout that day, it just builds and builds and fills that beaker, right? And then all of a sudden, the end of the day and something happens, that beaker just spills everywhere, right? So with our nervous system, what's really important is how are we starting our morning? Are we taking many breaks throughout the day when stressors come our way, right? And And are we recognizing where we're at in those moments, right? So so that's kind of the nervous system. And yeah, it's such an interesting thing once you really get to know it, it's like, oh, wait a second. The reason why I'm really at my max right now is because I've had all these little things just build and build and build. And I didn't didn't deal with them, right? I just kind of put them under the rug.
1: Yeah, and I think, One of the things that I'm finding so fascinating and I'm observing is that as people start to tend to their nervous system, and as they tend to regulate it and can start to work with it, your capacity to take on more increases, um, and I've seen it translate, and it's not that the goal is to take on more crap in your life. But you can feel better in spite of your surroundings. And I've even seen it where people do intentional work on their nervous system, which is really this other work that you're talking about, but it's accessible to them through this nervous system. And even in business, I've seen entrepreneurs that have regulated their nervous system and create more space to hold, uh, have capacity to hold more clients or just do more. And I've seen people make quantum leaps through nervous regulation, it's absolutely fascinating. And all of these things are interconnected. And I think sometimes we take for granted that, you know, the shame and guilt and disordered eating or binge drinking or whatever it is, is also related to your nervous system, which is also related to, you know, how you're doing in other areas of your life. And so it must be very fascinating for you to work with people and see some of these shifts where, you know, something clicks and their life literally changes. Like, do you have any, obviously you can't share personal information about anybody or any identifiers, but experiences where you've seen that sort of um, transformation in people?
0: Yeah, like I, I can remember even like a situation with someone that was really high, anxiety throughout their days they they couldn't eat they were just really on edge it was waking up in the morning in panic right and and not really realizing it right because a lot of people function at that level right they're like okay let's just continue on it's all good right and then you know finally they kind of made a change in their environment and that kind of opened up a lot of things and they're like whoa something feels different Um, they started you know seeing a therapist they started doing a lot of self-care things and they also too like I don't you probably talk a lot about this like manifestation and like your your beliefs around things so they before were all about like the Louise Hay the Wayne Dyer like all these things right but then this period of time they just didn't believe in that stuff anymore. They're like, no, that's not possible. You can't do do these things in your life. Like it was just the limiting beliefs there. Right. So it was interesting. So they started changing their environment. They started doing things that were really kind of aligned with the self-care practices that they created for themselves. And then they started recognizing they're like, okay, like they were feeling really nervous about, I don't really want to start believing that I can, you know, level up in my career. Or I don't want to like that that doesn't feel good just yet because I've been through this period that I don't I'm a naysayer, that's not going to happen, right? So so then they started exploring that and they felt in a place that they could actually go there. So so it was really interesting to see that they started really creating way different relationships in their life. Uh the opportunities started coming their way that they're just like oh my gosh, like I didn't think this was possible for me. Uh, yeah, they started taking care of their bodies. They started being able to eat again. It was just like such a different thing. And their energy levels were completely different. Right. And they're like, I totally forgot. Like, I didn't even know this existed, this feeling again, because I I got lost so far down the rabbit hole. And especially with my nervous system, Mm -hmm. I couldn't
1: function. Right. So that's, that's
0: kind of what comes to mind. That's so beautiful. That
1: makes me, uh, Honestly, just so happy, <laughs> and I think I am so grateful that you shared that because I think there's a lot of people that can relate to kind of being in that rut feeling, and I think especially right now, after I don't even know how many years we are post COVID. I know, and what's happening in the world sometimes. Yeah, these changes that are happening around us, we don't give enough credit to in terms of they really can impact you. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think we feel like we're supposed to somehow be strong in spite of them, or we don't recognize how powerful they are, particularly if you're an empath, like you can feel what is going on in the world. Yes. So I think now more than ever having more conversations about a, you're not alone. B, there are things that you can do and uh just giving different modalities and different ways in to understand what that means because i am certainly in my own personal circles and as i talk to people seeing it more and more and more and even i was sharing with you i forgot what happy felt like till the sun started to come back here and i didn't even realize that i wasn't fully happy until i was out in the sun recently because it's been dark where i live and you just it happens slowly you don't even realize it just like the sun you know you gradually get less sunlight every day and then sun starts to come back and you're like oh wow because you can't see it sometimes from where you are yes. um but i also feel like it's a gift sometimes to go through these dark nights of the soul because before oh 100%
0: yeah
1: because before expansion there's contraction um what for you like i mean you are doing this beautiful, brilliant work, helping people. Was there uh, like a, a moment for you that was really critical or pivotal that just really made it clear for you that this is what you wanted to do? Was there a dark night of the soul or have you had that sort of expansion that you could share as well?
0: Yeah. Like I think struggling with my eating disorder, that was a huge blessing in disguise, right? And my whole thing, like you kind of said there, the bigger the breakdown, the bigger the breakthrough. And, and even what you said about like feeling sunshine is if we don't allow ourselves to feel the painful emotion, we don't know what the other feels like either, right? So a lot of the time we when we're feeling the pain, we're like, this is going to last forever. But imagining a dark tunnel, right? There is light at the end of the tunnel, right? And and sometimes you forget about that. If we don't feel that one, how do we expect to feel the opposite of that, right? So I think the eating disorder was a huge one because it was pretty, you know, dark and, and intense. And I didn't know this idea of food is not the problem deal with what is I was like, no, you don't get it. Like, I just want my body to look this way. And I want to eat this, <laughs> right. But it was such a interesting process. And, and a theme for me is like this idea of never feeling like I was enough. Right. And, and I just yeah, from a young age, I felt like I always had to like prove myself, people please, or be a certain way, or or always go above and beyond for people to actually like and accept me. Right, so that was a huge thing. And and recently, like uh, well, not recently, a couple of years ago or a year and a half ago, um, I separated from my partner, and and that was like a huge, you know, opportunity for me to go through some really intense, painful growth, mm-hmm. right? Because in that dynamic, I also didn't feel like I was a never enough, right? And that was just taking the calf off of something that I wasn't willing to look at, but now it was right in my face, right? So so that those two things were really huge. and And that's what I always remind my clients or even my friends is that I know it feels like this is like the worst feeling ever and so painful, And I promise you what's on the other side of this is such intense freedom and joy. And it's not going to say that things aren't going to come your way. Right. But now, you know, that if you can get through that Mm -hmm. and look, what's on the other side of that, that just, again, is so much more encouraging next time that, you know, dark storm comes knocking at your door.
1: yeah. I love what you said about uh, how you're describing the dichotomy of energy uh, in terms of like, you can't get to that joy uh, without despair to appreciate how joyful it is. And I I feel the same way. Like, I feel like it's on a spectrum. And the further you go one direction, the more you expand the capacity to feel the other. Ooh, I love that. Yeah. Um, and that's how I try to look at it. But the other piece, as you were speaking, that uh, just really resonated for me is that when you're in those periods and those dark nights of the soul, it's really hard because you're not in a good space to have perspective or to actually even be able to hold the belief that something better is possible. And so that's where I think it's so important to reach out for help, whatever that looks like. We are not meant mm-hmm. to it alone. And I think that Western society in particular has built a culture and idealism around, you know, independence and doing things on your own. And there's even shame attached to saying, I'm not okay. And that's part of what I love about what you do is how vulnerable you are and how you share that you're willing to share your story and Mm -hmm. that you talk about all of this, because the more people that do, it creates more space and safety for others to do that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Just wondering any thoughts that you have on that, because I just think that's so huge.
0: Yeah. And I think it's okay for you not to be okay. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think we are conditioned sometimes to put on this space or, and sometimes we have to, like with the little people, we're kind of like, okay, push through. Right. But it's okay to have a moment and like have a good cry or have a rough few months right but it doesn't mean anything about you not being a, a good person or who you are or what you stand for right it's it's part of creating this life right and and i think it's really actually courageous when someone is able to share vulnerably of course with with those people that they feel safe with but yeah i just think there's such beauty in it and you 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 see it all around us some people start sharing and then they connect and then there's like these lovely communities happening around certain like you know, issues people are experiencing. So mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree. It just makes people feel so much more human when they're willing to be a little bit more raw or real and, uh, less perfect. And so I, um, I just think it's important for people to hear that, especially when you're in it, like it's okay to need help from someone else. Yeah. Someone to hold the potential that something better is possible. And it's not all at once. It's like, what's the next Best feeling thing that I can do, like what's accessible to me right now. Uh, it exactly. Yes. Like Amazing. Oh my goodness! Is there anything else that you would like to share um, about what you do with the listeners today, or any other thoughts on any of these topics?
0: Yeah. So I guess, like, kind of what I do is, I, I yeah, I, I really am about about getting you back on the same team as your mind and body, right? And And really discovering, okay, like what, what are you about, right? Not all of like the inner critic driving the bus or, you know, what people have made you feel in the past. It's like, let's discover what is it that you really stand for? And how can we again, start working together versus fighting against ourselves, right? So I guess I have like two ways that I work with clients one on one. And I also have like a really beautiful program that I love doing because it's like again more of like that supportive like you know there's like a process with it and it's called the mental Wealth- wellness reset program so that's another option for people of, of who are listening but yeah I honestly I think this conversation has been really great and and I just hope people who are listening know that yeah, it's okay to feel all the feelings that you're feeling right now with everything that's going on in this world. And yeah. And even if it's just like a moment of, of joy that you feel, and even if it's just for a second, just like a reminder that that does still exist in this darkness. Right. And, and yeah, and and it's okay. Like, and I think too, one thing that I wanted to point out is is a lot of the time, if we just allow ourselves to feel an emotion, it usually peaks at 90 seconds. So if you need like a good cry today or, you know, releasing some anger and obviously a safe space, um, there's something to be said about our nervous system and how that impacts us. If we let it just like peak at 90 seconds and then it just kind of dissolves. Yeah, I think that's just something that I forgot to mention.
1: I love that. I did not know that, but I think that um, it's really helpful to know. Like, I really feel like crap, and I need to cry and feel it. And I'm going to give myself 90 seconds, and I know that after 90 seconds, it won't be as intense. Even yeah, create safety in allowing yourself to step into that space. Thank you. That's so yeah. Helpful. And if it, and if it lasts more than 90 seconds,
0: it usually means that you've attached meaning to it or created stories, and we call that muddy pain versus clean pain.
1: Okay. Yeah. Oh my goodness, you are such a light. And I think that almost every woman woman can relate to having body body issues or uh, self-esteem issues. And I think we're all navigating uncharted waters and more than ever all of us need help. So it's beautiful to know there are people like you that are as exactly for people like me and others that are looking for help. So what's the best way if people want to get a hold of you or follow you?
0: Um, yeah, so Caitlin Counseling on Instagram and TikTok actually, too. I started there. And uh, and if people want to reach out, I offer like a complimentary 15-minute call to see if it's a good fit. Um, and that's CaitlinCounseling at gmail.com. And that's another thing, too, is like when you are, if you are exploring finding a counselor, uh, really take your time on that because that therapeutic alliance or that relationship is so important. And I know a lot of people get discouraged when it's like, oh, that was not good. It's like it does take a few tries. Mm -hmm. So any listeners who are a little frustrated with that, like, yeah, be gentle and, and really do some exploring or like what feels good to you by seeing if individuals offer those complimentary calls
1: great point and I think it also empowers people to recognize that in that you know professional personal dynamic that you get to choose uh and so to take the time to do that because I think we forget sometimes uh and then we just stop altogether or we settle or we think there's something wrong with us because it's not working yeah shop around find the right fit yeah shop around (laughs) yeah Yeah. I doctors don't often say that so I really appreciate that you're saying that yeah no seriously (laughs) Awesome. I got so much from this conversation. Thank you so much. And thank you to all the listeners for taking one of your most valuable times, or one of your most valuable commodities, rather, your time, and spending it here with us today. This little light
0: of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light. 家<音楽>